This is Live Music Capital, a podcast about the business and politics of making music in Austin, Texas, and beyond. Live Music Capital is powered by Austin City Jams. Now, here's your host, Eric Lycom. Thank you, Mark Waldy, and welcome once again to Live Music Capital. I am Eric Lycom. Things are starting to get interesting as South by Southwest ramping up as well as the Austin Music Awards. And coming up on this edition of Live Music Capital, we'll preview what's on tap for this year's South by Southwest Festival and Conferences. We'll hear about what the Austin Music Commission has been talking about regarding musician pay and something called Agent of Change. And we'll see what the Texas Music Office, which has just turned 30 years old, is up to. All that coming up now on Live Music Capital. At the most recent meeting of the Austin Music Commission, they discussed the issues of musician pay. There had been talk of some kind of standardization of music pay, such as a requirement to have contracts or to charge cover, particularly in areas such as the Red River District downtown. Rebecca Reynolds is with the Music Venue Alliance, and she thought of a different strategy. What I propose is to get you know, clusters of venues together because you have different genres of venues. You have venues that speak to different crowds. And while I understand that the cover charge um, is an issue, I think to Doug's point, what we at NMBA have steered away from is dictating to businesses how they operate because some businesses understand their clientele well and they understand that they will pay more inside if they don't pay outside. And some venues who, who maybe cater more towards tourists don't have that issue. Um, so... I think it's a healthy conversation to talk about cover, but I, I would caution against requiring it or, or requiring a certain fee. Um, and then as far as coming up with a standard, I mean, I said this last week, and I, I have to say it again. I hope that we can get past this sort of like, we're going to use this money to hold over the venue's head. Like, I just feel like there's a lot of... Um, information that venue owners could bring to this conversation and they're kind of scared to do it because the common sort of atmosphere so far has been that they're at fault somehow um so what i would like to do is have just some cluster conversations with musicians and and venue uh, owners uh successful venue owners who've been doing it for a long time and hear from them how they decide currently um what to pay you know, what kind of variables do they look at? And then if they had more money, uh, several of them have told me what they would do with that money if they had more. And they've all said we would book more bands, we would pay more, we would provide more opportunities. And so I think if we can kind of put on the record what the venue owners are already using and then find out from them, you know, what would you do if you had more money? that there's a lot of really good information to be had there. That segued into a discussion of agent of change and the Austin Sound Ordinance, which means that in a dispute, whoever was there first will get preferential treatment. One of the most notable recent agent of change cases was when the Weston Hotel sued a club on 6th Street called the Nook because their bass frequencies were disturbing hotel guests. The Nook had been there long before the hotel, But the hotel sued and then dropped the suit because agent of change was on the side of the club. The hotel ended up adding additional 
soundproofing to their property. Under agent of change, they should have done that as they were under construction. Reynolds says she's been advocating for agent of change to be included in the new land development code rewrite. So the whole point of it would be to separate music venues from bar nightclub. So right now, all venues uh, per our land development code are considered bar nightclub. And our point is that we want to start building some protections in our code without um, necessarily allowing for more bar nightclubs everywhere. Um, or raising the standard for new development next to a bar nightclub where a venue might need it when a bar nightclub inside does, doesn't. So the point is to create maybe some tax incentives, some agent of change incentives. Um, there's several ways in which we can use, you know, making a distinct land use for a live music venue from a bar nightclub. Jared Rutherford, who is general manager of the Rainy Street Bar Half Step, explained how they operate. The venue covers the production costs. They pay for the engineer, and then we pay a guarantee. Um, it's not a lot, but it's decent and probably more than, I would say, 80% of the guarantees out there, especially during the week. Um, and what that venue has benefited from is pulling people in off the street um, and creating this atmosphere that music is accessible. Um for better or worse, because I do realize that we live in a um, society where music is it seems to be a given and it's not no longer a commodity. Um, whereas I think if we were to remove music out of everywhere, public spaces, it, it'd be a pretty bland world to live in. Um, so we need to re-commodify music. Uh, I think a gold star standard of venues would be great. So that way we can establish um, qualifications for what a, that means, um, paying a decent rate, um, covering production costs. You know, even uh, we don't hear a lot from sound engineers. Um, we just hear from musicians, but I know a lot of struggling sound engineers um, that have a hard time getting what they deserve. Um, you know, $150 might seem like a decent rate, but for the amount of schooling and effort that goes into learning the craft of sound engineering that's nothing um so i'd like to keep this conversation rolling the commission also learned from rutherford that venues can get into trouble with police even though they're not violating the law what we ran into two weeks ago was uh law enforcement coming out and ticketing every venue and bar that had any kind of music playing so this is a 500 dollars citation Class C misdemeanor. Um, <clears throat> if you get four of those, I believe within 45 days, you can have your permit revoked. Um, so this is a very serious issue. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what's next for the agent of change and the sound ordinance. Um, we are, are at Half Step, have an engineer that cares and goes above and beyond the call of duty. Uh, he is talking with um, David... Uh, Murray, the city's sound engineer consultant, um, about what are the laws uh, with the sound ordinance. Uh, we were operating within that, and turns out the enforcement can come um, at any time, and it doesn't matter whether you're operating within the realm of the law. Um, they will ticket you first and ask questions later. I mean, even if, with the ticketing process, they made mistakes on the ticket, um, which we believe that will get it thrown out. But 
it's we're, I believe we're in a new era where um, we are seen as that sound just even at an appropriate level is seen as a nuisance um, and what we thought was complaint based um, is turning into APD uh, taking their own initiative and enforcing without complaints. Um, Rebecca looked at the complaint log for uh, 311 and APD and found that on the night we were ticketed, there were no complaints. So we need that. Did they take readings? They did not take readings. <laughs> so, and we, we, our engineer has a decibel reader on his phone. He takes readings throughout the night, documents this in his phone to make sure that when the APD does show up, he can say, Hey, we at no point went over. If we did, it was probably someone else like a motorcycle going by or, you know, a loud group walking by. Um, yeah, so that is what we're dealing with now, and it's very frustrating. It's discouraging to the venues because they're now having to go to court to fight these tickets that are not valid. The commission could make a recommendation to Austin City Council to look into how the sound ordinance is being enforced. Commercial music contributes about $1.6 billion annually to the economy of the live music capital. The Texas Music Office has just celebrated 30 years of existence. The TMO functions as a clearinghouse of information, exchange, and advocacy for musicians and commercial music in the state. I sat down recently with director Brendan Anthony about the office and its mission on its anniversary. I think it is a statement about um, the uh, enormous value that our state places on commercial music industry here in Texas. Uh, we are the only state that has a music office that functions the way this one does. Mm. Uh, we don't look at tourism first. We look at, from our office, from our perspective, in my opinion, since I'm sort of directing the thing right now for the past five years, you know, I look at our role as um, the, the Texas Music Office to create an environment where people can um, create jobs, uh, create small business, stable small business, and create um, unique um, things mm -hmm. and they will be things that will draw people in naturally tourism will be a byproduct of us creating right. a common sense marketplace for these people to create we're not involved in creation uh, we are attempting to give communities and our state as a whole tools so that our people our constituents can be successful uh, so i think having a music office having a music office supported the way we are for as long as we have been, is a pretty solid statement about how Texas feels about the commercial music industry here. I'm personally honored to do the job. Uh, the five years I've been here have seen tremendous growth. I think the music office can play a central role in some of the um, uh, some of the directions we've we've already covered, uh, and, and I'm really proud that we've you know taken taken that. Uh, those steps to position ourselves that way. One of the things musicians and music pros have long lamented is the lack of music industry presence in the state and in Austin. But baby steps are being taken to lure industry here. Case in point, the establishment of performance rights organization BMI opening an Austin office. Anthony is hopeful for the future. Uh, in the next year or so, I hope for some uh, really positive announcements. So BMI took about three years to create that expansion. Mm -hmm. uh, these are big ships that we're going after, not little little things that might 
not really turn the needle. So we're looking for big expansions, and uh, those take serious time. Uh, we're focused on a couple of other opportunities right now that are years in the making, years in the works. I uh, hope to make announcements about those this year or next. Uh, I think for a long time, this is not criticism, I think it's a fact. I think for a long time we've talked about the lack of industry infrastructure. We've bemoaned it. Mm-hmm. We've uh, pointed it out. But intentionally, we've never taken steps towards fixing that problem. I think over the last five years, we have taken steps out of this office to fix that problem. And BMI uh, is a good example of trying to make that change. You mentioned that it's baby steps. I think incremental progress is the only kind of progress you should make. We've seen examples of uh, progress that's made at too full tilt, uh, too big of a footprint at once, unsustainable growth. And that's not what we're after here. We're up for uh, we're working towards incremental growth of something that in several years we can look back and say has changed people's lives, has created opportunities for people to monetize intellectual property out of this city, Austin, out of the state, Texas, in a way that we've never seen before. Um, and that's our goal. We want to be the group that's not talking about it. We're doing it. So um, we work in that. We work in that role. Um, as a friend of mine who works in this effort alongside me said you know um, we're using shovels right now we got our heads down taking stabs at it we're going to look back behind us and we'll have the panama canal behind us in a few years and that's how we're approaching it for those who wish to become better at music business in their efforts anthony says more music people need to connect with his office i think they should avail themselves of all the uh, services that groups like austin music foundation offer offer and that the bmi office offers uh there are uh Opportunities for songwriting collaboration in, in the town that, that exist, and people should avail themselves of those. Uh, they should spend time creating relationships in other places, too, but we would always encourage people to keep their business here. Um, the uh, connectivity that our office offers is um, free. Um, it's, it's widespread. We know a ton of people, uh, and our service is free to people. So, you know, we... Um, we, we offer our time, our information, our, connect, our connections at no charge. So, you know, people that are interested in uh, branching out, uh, connecting with different parts of the industry, connecting with similar parts of the industry that what they're operating in can come talk to us at absolutely no charge. We work for them. So I wish people would avail themselves of our service a little bit more as well. Um, I think songwriters or people who write and create should always stay up to date on changes in laws that negatively or positively affect them um, because ultimately they are small business owners. So I know we get caught up in the conversation about art versus commerce quite a bit and music as a business um, occasionally gets used in the pejorative possibly, but I think that um, we all have to be very realistic that um, if we're doing this to support ourselves and our families that it is a business and that... uh, Songwriters and managers and agents who work with those those people should be uh, as up to date on changes in rules and laws that affect them one way or the other as they could possibly be. Those things are changing all the time. Anthony points to recent sweeping legislation in the Music Modernization Act and how that's evolving. Since technology always outpaces legislation, his office helps tech companies stay up and out of trouble as much as possible, but cautions, if you use music that's not your own, be prepared to pay for it. 
One of the other issues he's watching is the change in the way independent contractors do business in California, a bill called AB5, which could severely impact musicians there. Author Ari Herstand is fighting that legislation now. And while the current Texas business climate does not appear to be heading down that road, nonetheless, Anthony is watching it. I'll say this about the thing that happened in California is that when events like that happen, when when legislation like that's proposed anywhere, it is um, sort of like, you know, rubbing against the grain of something that we understand pretty well. We ought to sit up and take notice of it. Uh, You're right. I don't think we are the kind of state that will approach independent contractors that way. But I can't say for certain. So, you know, you you um, or we, all of us in the business, um, should pay attention when things like that crop up that are a little bit against the grain. Pay very close attention to them, see how they play out. Um, and just because we've gotten used to doing things one way for a long time doesn't mean that they can change on a dime and we'd have to get used to them. Um, but I think if we examine a change in the fundamental way that independent independent contractors of any stripe get paid and we're seeing it change you know in a 180 sort of degree way uh, we ought to be uh, giving that a really close look Um, our musicians are used to uh, negotiating a rate with a uh, uh, an entity that hires them and it's a venue or uh, some other corporate group and uh, they negotiate that rate and they decide how they're going to pay their people who work for them Mm -hmm. and they should follow all the tax guidelines that are out there and they ought to you know issue uh, government uh, created documents so those people can withhold etc i mean that's the way the world works Mm -hmm. Uh, but if we fundamentally change the way um, these people are paid and then pay their side people then uh, i think i think there'll be some unnecessary friction i think there'll be um, some folks who uh, have built a business on something that uh might look like shifting sands almost and we really don't want to see that happen so we pay close attention to it anthony says austin and texas are especially innovative when it comes to tech and funding mechanisms like the proposed austin live music fund no doubt the texas music office will continue to be a vital part of the music industry in the live music capital The 34th South by Southwest Conference and Festival descends upon Austin March 13th through the 22nd. Once again, the festival celebrates the convergence of the technology, film, and music industries. I'll be there to cover what I can for the podcast. South by Southwest has announced the latest round of keynote and featured speakers. Among the latest notables are 2020 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross of Nine Inch Nails. They'll be there with Emmy Award-winning executive producer and writer Damon Lindelof to discuss their collaboration on the HBO series Watchmen. Texas musician Annie Clark, a.k.a. St. Vincent, will be paired up with actress Carrie Brownstein in conversation. Roger Waters of Pink Floyd will be joined by filmmaker Michael Moore. Judd Apatow will interview Stephen Colbert. Director Spike Jones will discuss his latest film, a Beastie Boys documentary, Ozzy Osbourne and his son Jack will be hosted by comedian Jim Norton. Even Kim Kardashian West is a featured speaker on criminal justice. That is but a sampling of the speakers and programs going on at this year's South by Southwest, which is far and away the biggest thing going on every year in Austin. And that is going to do it for this edition of Live Music Capital, powered by Austin City Jams. Thanks to Brendan Anthony and his staff at the Texas Music Office for their time and help. 
If you have any questions or would like to sponsor a future podcast, please reach out to me via my website, ericlikeham.com. I'm also accepting donations via PayPal at ericradio at yahoo.com and Venmo at eric-likeham. On behalf of our announcer, Mark Waldy, thank you for listening, liking, commenting, and sharing. We'll be back soon with another edition of Live Music Capital.